And if you have your Bibles, open them to Romans 12, 9 through 12. I'm going to use a lot of different scripture this morning, but all of it stems out of this scripture. If you are a note taker, um, wrote, write Romans 12, 9 through 12. If you are not a note taker, I'm judging you on the inside. <laughs> Romans 12, 9 through 12. I told you I wanted to speak on honor. I'm going to speak on honor. We're going to talk about some other things um, to get to honor first. So let's read the scripture. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another in brotherly love, uh, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. In verse 9, we see immediately that as a believer, we are required to make a decision about good and evil. And to be honest with you, we are to come down firmly on the side of good, which means we are to oppose everything evil. This takes away from the, the believer that commonly holds the assumption that those who suffer evil have the ability to repay evil. I'm going to read that again. This takes away from the believer uh, that commonly holds the assumption that those who suffer evil have the ability to return evil. This is a big deal right now. This is, this is, this is how the world operates. You harmed me. I have every right to harm you. But it's contrary to the word of God. So we're, we find ourselves in a predicament pretty quick. We must understand that a, believer, a believer's commitment to good will require his or her weapons, both in terms of defense against and opposition to evil, will always be good and never evil. The, our defense against or opposition to evil will always be in good. A couple of weeks ago, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you would have seen I, I'm taking, currently taking a Facebook hiatus. And I'm taking it. I don't, I don't know. I may get back on. I may not. It has been awfully nice so far to not see believer after believer hating on another believer. Hating on people in general. For what? Because you look at politics differently? Because I wear a hoodie to church? And some of you guys laugh at that. Like, no, someone's going to email me and say, how dare you? And maybe it is dishonorable. I don't know. I haven't been doing this as long as Q. <laughs> Hampton. I have fought this personally in my life, and I think, I think you need to understand that um, this message, if it is not for you, I'm preaching it to myself this morning, okay? I, I have really struggled with this and how to handle this as a parent, this not returning evil for evil. Evil's a little bit of a strong word, but every one of us have a playground story, right? I remember growing up in St. John Elementary School, um, and we would play soccer all the time. And we would get in these playground fights over soccer because I don't even know that I knew what Major League Soccer was. Does, ooh, I was getting ready to offend Suhail. I won't. 
Hampton has, uh, when, when Hampton was born, everyone asked me, so uh, you going you gonna to get him into baseball? I'm like, dude, he's been alive for a month. Calm down, right? <laughs> like, and I, I kind of took the position like, you know, I'll let him do whatever he wants. I'm not going to pressure anything. Now he's nine years old and he's getting, getting after it a little bit. And I am very much encouraging. Yeah, play all the sports you want, brother. You want to you go play catch today? I'll play some football. I hate football. Which, by the way, the Super Bowl was last week, huh? Exciting for the Chiefs. You know why it's exciting for me? That's one day closer to baseball season. I look forward to the Super Bowl every single year because I am that much closer to baseball. I I need you to understand that baseball is the anointed sport and and football is just a little inferior. It's just the way that it is. I'm sorry. Okay, I won't. Thanks. I got some baseball players in here. But Hampton, Hampton is at the spot now where, like, uh, it, he's, he's kind of fun to watch play basketball. He's playing basketball on Saturdays um, because he understands that, that defense wins championships. That's what was ingrained into my mind. That's what I have tried to ingrain in his mind. And so every loose ball, he's on the floor. Every, every time he has the ability to get a jump ball, he's getting in. He's in there. And he's a little too fiery, I may add. He's got a little too much of Heather in him and not enough of me. Listen, if you know Heather, you know I ain't lying. But Hampton, Hampton been playing football on the playground, right? And um, one thing leads to another, and Hampton gets pushed one day. Um, sounds like pretty hard to the point where he ended up in the principal's office, not because he retaliated, um, but because um, it was that hard and they needed to make sure the dude was okay. And so he comes home that evening, tells me what's going on, I react to the principal thing unhealthily, apologize, ask for forgiveness, and then say, hey, if he's going to push you, push him back. <laughs> and then I read the scripture and I thought, dad, give it. <laughs> That's our mentality, right? I don't even think that we mean it necessarily in a negative way. There's not a lot of people I know in this room that are looking for fights, Right? But when your nine-year-old comes home and he, he's got bruises on his knees and whatnot and, and it was because someone pushed him, um, then you look at him and say, well, let's go. What are you going to do in return? Because that's the way we were raised in some way, shape, or form. My parents didn't necessarily mean any harm by it. It's, it's almost like natural for us to say, no, if he's going to come after you, you have every right to defend yourself, and you do. You know what that defense is? To step away and not hit. Listen, here's the tough thing. And like I said, I'm preaching this message to, to me as much as I am to you. These are things that I'm learning. These are things that I'm teaching. These are, these are things that I need to be teaching my boys. That listen, if you have come against opposition and that opposition is evil, then you have every right to retaliate by stepping away and not hitting. That's what the, that's what the word of God says. And, it, and, and if, I, if I operate contrary to the word of God, then I don't understand what it is that I've read. And if I don't understand what it is that I read, then how in the world am I ever going to walk this out? Love without hypocrisy. Paul speaks about this love uh, of which Paul speaks about is our response to God worked out through you and I. It is our response to God that is worked out through you and I, through our relationships. How it is that we operate? How it is that we talk to one another? How it is that we, that we honor one another? Hypocrisy translated in the Greek literally means without play acting or pretending. Listen, I stand before you today as a hypocrite. 
I think it's safe to say that you're probably there with me at some point in time or another. That there are relationships that you are in that you are only pretending. That you, you are only pretending who it is that you are or what it, the, the feelings that you have for them. Whether it's friend, whether it's spouse. But basically what this is saying is to combat evil with good is to love genuinely. Which brings me to my next verse. It says, be kindly affectionate to one another in brotherly love and honoring and honor, giving preference to one another. The NIV uh, says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. The ESV says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. The message translation says, be good friends um, who love deeply, practicing Practice playing second fiddle. Who likes to play second fiddle? Like if, if, the, if the Faulkner household is reading that, then they're going with the ESV translation and not the MSG translation, right? Because it's a competition. And like I said earlier, my wife, if she was preaching, she would say, you know, I got four boys at home and when Sean gets involved, it gets, it gets a little competitive. I am telling you, because I am preaching, that the competitiveness stems from one side of us, and it is not me. <laughs> the Faulkner household will take out due because we have misunderstood what the scripture is saying. We have misunderstood that this is not a competition. This is a response in humility, not a response in, in, in achievement. This is, this is to outdo one another, is c- to continue to play second fiddle. And who likes to play second fiddle? But the word says, um, Matthew 20, 2016, 2017 says the, the, the last will be first and the first last. But that is not, again, the world that we live in, is it? People, we have to understand that the Bible, the way it is that we are supposed to walk this out will always be countercultural. So if we are walking in line with the culture, we somewhere have got the gospel wrong. I'm to outdo. I am to outdo. I'm to continue to lay my life down for my brother, for my sister. I'm, I'm, I am continuing to, to continue. I, I have to speak life into someone. I have to, to, to show them this brotherly affection. I have to, to love them without pretending. You can't do that and be selfish. The word Paul uses for affection is storge, which is the Greek word um, Family love. So he, Paul has, has told you to love without hypocrisy. Stop faking it. Now he's t- telling you to show brotherly affection. Brotherly affection, which is family love. See, you have to understand that as you come into this, whether you were born into it or whether you have stepped into it, this God that we serve, this Jesus who we proclaim as our savior, looks at us as one family. One family. One family. Not the father's house, not cross point, not Emmanuel, not whatever other church, that every single one of us are a part of one family. I believe in one Jesus. 
I believe in, in one crucifixion, one baptism. I believe in, in, in one burial and one resurrection. Do you believe the same thing? Then it is Jesus Christ that we are a part of. It is one family. Do you know how many different denominations are in this world today? The same Jesus, the same Jesus we just talked about, there are over 33,000 different denominations. Why? Because a lot of just didn't like what you had to say. Which is countercultural. No, that, that's, that's cultural. We are to be countercultural. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. We are not strangers in church. We are not supposed to be strangers in church. I remember coming on staff uh, 10 years ago, or 11 years ago this month. Um, and there was a, a lady uh, who, she just hug you. And it wasn't the side hug, you know, the Jesus hug. It was the, I'm coming for you. You can see it. And if you've been in this church long enough, you know exactly who it is I'm talking about. I miss her to death because she didn't care. She just wanted to hug you. It wasn't, it wasn't a stranger in church that if you stepped into this building, that you're not going to be a stranger. And every new person, I, I promise you, God, I wish I would have taken um, statistics of it. Every new person I ever called, hey, so talk to me about this lady. Yeah. She hug you? Yeah. And it was like, not a side hug. I said, yeah. She just loving on you. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> she don't care. <laughs> I, I would say maybe um, just go in the other door next week. <laughs> Church is not a collection of acquaintances that get together once or twice a week. Church is not a group of acquaintances that get together once or twice a week. I was just having this conversation with an individual this week. They said, um, I, I had invited this couple to church, um, and I had invited them a couple of different times, and they hadn't come, and they said that they were trying to decide whether or not we were gonna, they were going to come to the Father's house, or they are going to go to a different church, and this individual found out that they had gone to the different church, and the individual I was talking to um, was awfully upset with their friends, like, why, I mean, just, why didn't you say something to me? And they, they kind of deliberated back and forth, like, just be honest with me, I just, I just wanted you to come to the church, right? Like, that's no big deal, why didn't you have to be, so I was kind of saying, hey, it's okay. She's, this, this individual I was talking to um, went back a little bit later and asked um, her, her friend, he said, well, I, so, I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm happy you're in church. Why didn't you pick the father's house? He kind of hem-hawed around a little bit like, ah, you know, just, just, you know. This individual I was talking to said, no, just, just be honest with me. Just tell me, what, why, didn't, why didn't you come to the father's house? And, Kind of took a big deep breath and he said, you know, it's just, it's just easier. It's just easier. And the individual I was talking to was obviously upset in the conversation because she, this individual was getting upset again, right? Have you ever been there? Like you have a conversation, you get worked up, you take a big deep breath and you start talking about it again, you get worked up again. Like, you, you need to give that to Jesus. This individual started to get worked up again about it. Like, 
I, I mean, you've not even been there. You don't even know. Like, how did, you couldn't even tell us what the, what the sanctuary looks like. How, I mean, how is it easier? How could, you, how could you dare? And I was sitting there smiling, almost laughing. This individual looked at me and said, I don't, I don't get it. Why are you laughing? I said, because they're right. She was like, what? They're right? I said, yeah, you need to understand that I don't look at church as a collection of friends. I'll go to his family. And I don't know if you know, but family ain't always easy. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, I believe in creating an atmosphere where everybody has the ability to come in and discover the, the, the unconditional love of God. I believe that everybody has the ability to come into this place and we may not do it right all the time, but I promise you our arms are open. I promise you our ears are attentive to the things that you have. I want to be in a relationship with you. I'm not interested in a friendship. I'm interested in family. That's what brotherly affection is. Brotherly affection says, no, 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 no. You need to understand that, that um, when, when we're in relationship, that we're in it for the long haul, that, that we're in this for good, that not, whether you like it or not, the one thing that family always does is family always shows up. You will always have those individuals to say their wrong thing, to do the wrong thing. You always got those ants, right? That's another amen statement. Thank you. But you know what the, the aunt always does? She's always there. Her life may be a mess. Your life may be a mess. You may need to hear the things that come out of your aunt's mouth. But the fact of the matter is, is, is that she is there always. And those friends will leave you like that. We live in a culture, we live in, in a world, we have a society that says, if I disagree with you, I am leaving you. Jesus says, no, you and I are family, and I will stay with you for the long haul, even if you don't agree with me on everything. Even if you, your politics are different, even if you don't understand why your pastor has the ability to wear a hoodie, even if you think that baseball is better than football, even if you name it, whatever, that it is about being family. It is about being in relationship. And society says, hey, if you don't like it, you can find something, something else. I'm telling you, I want to create a culture of honor. I want to create a culture of love where everybody has the ability to come in here to experience the unconditional love of God and to step into a relationship that is not easily broken. Jesus doesn't leave you. Oh, I just talked about it a little bit ago. I can rattle off the scripture. You want me to rattle off the scripture again? I think you're good, right? He, you get it? He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He looks at you as a head, not a tail, above, not below, blessed going in, blessed going out. He loves you, and you are not, he, there's nothing that has the ability to separate you from his love. And he says, oh, by the way, I expect you to do the same thing to your brother. I want to be able to show honor. I want to be able to show my boys what honor looks like in the face of struggle, but I can't do it if I am loving hip, uh, hypocritically. I can't do it if I say, I know what Jesus says about family and, and, and this brotherly affection, but I'm, I, I, you know, it's just hard. Yes. At what point in time did we get into this idea that hard was something that we should push away from? Jesus did not push away from hard. Jesus said, I'm going to accept you for who it is that you are, whether you are a prostitute, whether you are a leper, whether you are a cheat and a scoundrel. Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and said, everybody hates you, Zacchaeus, but I love you and I'm going to spend time with you. And what happens when that happens? 
We as believers step into a society every single day looking at non-believers saying, you know what, you just do you, I'm going to do me. No, Jesus says get in, um, get in the same room with them. Tell them who it is that you are. Show them what it is that you do. It'll change their life. It changed yours, didn't it? Did it not? Did Jesus not change your life? I almost apologize for being a little worked up. I, <coughs> I, I live a life every day. I told you, I'm, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. We are surrounded by people. We ourselves know the difference between what the world says and what God says. And every single day, we have a choice to make. And there are going to be days where we fail. I'm not saying you can't fail. I would never say that. But I am saying, can we, when we do fail, repent? And when we repent, we change that. There are relationships in my life right now that I have to go repent to because it has been in pretending. And the, the, if I want to be an honorable individual, if I want to outdo my brother and my sister in showing honor, and I do, then I've got to get my spirit aligned with the God that I know and love. I said it a little bit ago, our society has allowed us to say, if I disagree with someone, then I'm going to break relationship. <clears throat> the problem is, is that I, f I feel like we have stepped into a relationship with, where people have put labels on you or you have allowed labels, you have put labels on yourself. And when you're in a relationship with someone based off of labels, all of the baggage of the label comes with it. Now, I have no problem with baggage. I have enough of my own. But when I step into a relationship based off of a label, I've not stepped into a relationship with a person. I've stepped into hypocrisy. There are plenty of people, myself included, where we have stepped into relationships based off of what you could get from someone, based off of what you thought they had the ability to offer you. You have stepped into a relationship that is hypocritical. Brotherly affection, this family love, is not something to be taken lightly. One of the coolest things that I feel like I get to do on a fairly regular basis is one of the coolest things I think you'll ever see personally is one person accept another person genuinely for who they are. I, I don't know if you've ever seen it. I, I, I feel like I get to see this on a fairly regular basis, whether it, it, it's, it's my job or even as a parent, right? Uh, when, when, when you see someone accept your children or your child um, just for who they are, 
Like it's one of the coolest things you'll ever see. I, my, both of my older boys have kind of gone through this phase. They're, they're learning some tougher lessons these days. But Henley, Henley's right in the middle of this. And, and, as, and as soon as I tell a story, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, think if, if, if you're going into Chick-fil-A, right? And you can get that chicken sandwich. <clears throat> Chick-fil-A is genius, not because they're chicken sandwich, but because of like the quadruple pane glass between the dining area and the, the playhouse, right? You send your kids into the playhouse and you can eat your chicken sandwich in peace, almost. I have... Four boys, three of them, um, they can wreak havoc in one of those areas. So I don't know about you, but I'm very much a, a parent that watches my boys in there because they will unintentionally kill another kid. <laughs> so here we are eating our chicken sandwich. Spicy chicken, if you're me. You like spicy? Amen. That is an amen statement. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. I get two of them. Look at me. Don't judge me. Um, what's it saying? Oh, you go in Chick-fil-A, and immediately when, when the Faulkners enter Chick-fil-A, boys, go. They go into their play area. We have the ability to order like adults and get the food. Um, have you ever noticed like Chick-fil-A, like they have the, your food at the table as you sit down? kind of weird. Anyhow, so <coughs> here is Henley in the play area, and there's a group of people in there, and you, and you know when it's going to happen, right? Henley finds a kid that's about his size, probably around his age, and he goes up to them, and he's asking, you don't even have to be in there. You know exactly what's happening. You don't, you don't have to be in the room. You know exactly the words that he is going to ask. He goes up to a kid, right? And um, he, he kind of just, you know, just kind of steps a little closer and a little closer and you're like, just go, buddy, just go. He can't hear you. He has no idea you're watching, but you just go, just go. And he gets to that person. He gets to that kid. And he's going to ask that kid a question. And that question has one of two answers. And it's either going to be um, a happy moment or it's going to be a sad moment. And, and Henley, Henley gets the audacity to ask the kid, hey, do you want to play with me? And the moment happens. The kid says, yes. Fireworks go off. Henley's eyes get big. I made a friend. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? If not, you can come Chick-fil-A with me next time. You'll see it. It is one of the coolest things to, to actually accept someone for who it is that they are. Not what it is that they can offer you, not what it is that you think that they can offer you, but for who it is that they are. The God that, that, that created this individual, you are accepting them for who? Brotherly love. Honor. You know, the second part of um, verse 10 is to outdo one another in showing honor. I think honor matters big time. Paul it, commands it here. Peter repeats it. Jesus talks about it. There's something to this that I think we need to unpack 
And while I've started to unpack, I think that there's a little bit more. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> what is the definition of honor? Honor is the recognition of value, contribution, and importance of others. Honor is the recognition of value, contribution, and importance of others. In the New Testament, honor means to esteem or hold in great respect or to place value on another person. See, glory is the implicit value that something possesses, but honor is the personal choice to recognize that as value. When you ascribe to something, you're recognizing the value of something. God's glory does not diminish whether or not you believe in him. C.S. Lewis said one time, look man, you don't believe in the sun, that's your loss, the sun's great. It's not going to diminish based off of the way you think of it. the same thing with God. He's still glorious. Honor is when we choose to acknowledge him as glorious. A couple examples of honor. We've all celebrated Mother's Day, right? Celebrate the woman that went through unbearable pain to bring you into this world. And that was just the beginning of your relationship. That was before she even wiped your butt. We come to those days and we honor our moms for everything they've done for us. One of that military man or woman that comes back from deployment, right? You know it's going to happen, right? Because you're sitting in the terminal. I don't know this because I sit in a lot of terminals. <laughs> if you know anything about me, I do everything I can to stay away from them. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, the family's there. They got the cards, the, the big poster boards. They got balloons, flowers, the kids. Like, everyone is waiting with anticipation for the plane to arrive and your loved one to step off uh, that plane and hug them because who knows how long it's been since they've seen your family. And they, the, the, the individual gets off and everybody's hugging and everybody's crying. And the next thing you know, everybody in the terminal, they're crying. And it's a thing, Right? And the next thing you know, everybody in the terminal stands up and claps, thanking them for their service, thanking them for putting their life on the line. What are we doing here? We're recognizing the value of someone, someone's contribution. Right, and glory is rightly seen, honor is rightly aligning. So often we talk about honor Right, we kind of toss it around as one of those words we know is important, but like you don't want to. Right, it's like that Christmas gift that we all get. It's 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 the Christmas. We have plenty of them in our house right now. It's the Christmas gift that wasn't so great to play with every single day, but every time you go to say return that because you can think of the money that can go back into your bank account, your son's like. Well, but I mean, I may still play with it. Like, 
Sometimes I feel like that's the way we look at honor, right? Like, oh, I know it's important, and I'll keep it in the back of my mind, but it won't be in the forefront of my mind. Honor is central to our faith. This is kind of corny. This is kind of what happens when you get ready for a sermon. Jeez, people. (laughs) Just trying to preach a sermon here. I had to update my iWatch this week to a new operating system. But because I got the version 1, not version 20,000, because I'm not bougie like that. I'm just a little bougie. I'm only, there's only five, excuse me. I had to take a bunch of stuff off of it to get the operating system. So I'm assuming like in another year, it, the only way it'll function is that because it just has another operating system, right? Anyhow, that's beside the point. I feel like God, it looks at us and say, no, I need you to understand that there's an operating system of honor that you need to download and work out and operate out of. I know that's kind of corny, but I think that it's, I think that it's really the truth, right? I'm going to show you some scriptures here in a minute that I feel like do a good job of, of, of showing you this operating system that we have the, they have to work out of. Now, you only have the ability to work out of it, in my eyes, if you understand what it means to not love hypocritically, if you understand what it means to show brotherly affection, now we have the ability to step in honor, right? It's like Paul was, was giving us a step letter down into the depths of, of our relationship with Jesus. Uh, Luke, I'm going to... Read this first scripture out of the Bible because I typed it up wrong and didn't notice it until first service. The first, uh, first scripture I want to read is Revelation. Revelation 5, 11 through 14. It says, Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This, I don't know if you know this, but this is the future that we're heading into. This is our destiny. Yeah, that is an amen statement. God, the the, the Trinity, between the three of them, show honor. If you could eavesdrop into a conversation between the three of them, it would be honor showing them. John 5.22 says, Moreover, the uh, the Father judges no one and has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. There's honor in the, in the Trinity. Creation honors God. Isaiah 43, 20. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls. Anybody ever wondered what jackals and owls do? Well, they honor God. Because I have provided water 
in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. We are called to honor God with our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, 20. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought by a price. Therefore, honor your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. Modern individualism hates this verse. We are called to honor God with our wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. The first fruits of your crops, of all your crops. Then your barn will be filled with to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. We're called to honor God-ordained authority. Romans thirteen seven, Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. We have a tough one with this today, huh? The best story I could think of in this regard is the story of David and Saul. We find in 1 Samuel, Jesus or um, uh, David defeats Goliath. Was it Psalm or First Samuel, like 17, 17, 17, 18, something like that? He defeats Goliath. Everybody's excited. The army comes back. The women step out of their homes. They're playing their instruments and singing. David killed ten thousand. Saul killed a thousand, and Saul is immediately angered. Later on in that scripture, it says that, that Saul was, um, that, that David was in the presence playing the lyre of Saul, um, and, and Saul had um, a, a spear, and he tried to kill David twice. Obviously, wasn't very good at his job. And for like the next couple of, next couple of, um, uh, of chapters, you see da- um, David on the run from Saul, just trying to kill him. Every single time, um, Saul gives David uh, a daughter to marry so he can entrap him. Um, He gets out of the house. Uh, Jonathan, who is Saul's son, um, is best friends with David. And and, and Saul deceived Jonathan to try and get to David. Like time after time after time. And then you get to chapter 24. And David is in the inner parts of a cave, the, the, the scripture says, with his men. And Saul is on the outer parts of the cave. If you read my version, it says relieving himself, and all of the teenagers laughed. (laughs) He was just resting, people. He was just resting. But the Bible says that David stealthily cut off a piece of his robe, and immediately his heart was struck. For the father had spoke to him and said, no, you cannot kill him. You have to... Honor the authority. We stand in February, Black History Month. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. 
in the midst of terrible oppression, walked out what it means to be an honorable man. Husbands are called to honor their wives. First Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with their understanding and give honor to the wife as they are a weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, ladies, before you crucify me and men, before you get on your high horse, you must understand when this scripture was written. The scripture was written a thousand plus years ago. I hate to tell you this, but women were not honored back then. In the hierarchy of things, women were a little higher than livestock. And so the men that were reading this back then would have said, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. That says what? No, no, no. Women are supposed to honor me. My wife is supposed to honor me. No, that, but that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, husbands, honor your wife and do so and your prayers will be heard. And all of the light bulbs above the heads men's went off. Oh, huh. Maybe that's why I didn't get that prayer answered. <laughs> Ladies, this is not a tool in your tool belt to use in the midst of a fight. <laughs> oh, you're not honoring me. Now get this, get this, get this. Men, honor your wives. Honor your wives. Honor your wives. And the grace-filled life that you get to live together will be immense. Get over yourself, men, and listen to the lady that you decided to spend the rest of your life with. Listen. Um, Kent, are we the spiritual heads of our households? Yes, we are. Kent, do you believe that your wife has the ability to speak into your life? Absolutely. It is not a question of who is mightier, who is stronger. It is a question of whether or not you have the ability to show the woman that you said you were going to spend the rest of your life with a little bit of honor. I stood on this stage for an entirely way too long ceremony and said, I, well, it was, ask my brother-in-law. It was forever long. I had a good time. Um, I said, I do. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And I'm going to screw it up a bunch and you're going to screw it up a bunch But this grace-filled life, I want to figure out how it is that I honor you. If I have the ability to submit my life to God, to honor my wife, and live a grace-filled life together, then do you not think that my boys will understand what it means to respect a woman? Now, dadgummit, guys. We have to learn honor. Do I have any teenagers in here? We've got a couple of them. Yeah, this one's for you. You excited for this? <laughs> Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So it may be well, so it may go well with you that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Honor your father and your mother. And by honoring your father and your mother, you will have a long life. It doesn't doesn't say 
just a long life. Who wants to live a long, sucky life? No one. Jesus' promise to you in honoring your father and your mother is to live a good, long life, that it may go well with you. You want a long life? A good, long, well life? You honor that dude. First Timothy 5, 17 through 18. We see honor to those who teach and lead in the church. The, the leaders who dwell, or who, excuse me, the leaders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. I'm just the messenger. I'm sorry. Some of you got it. Either that or someone was saying, God, that's really arrogant. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. What's my point with all this? Honor is in your destiny. Honor is in the Godhead. Honor is in creation. Honor is in sexuality. Honor is in wealth. Honor is in marriage. Um, Honor is in family. And honor is in church. This is the operating system by which we are to live our lives, to show honor. But just like I spoke about a second ago, I feel like Paul is leading us down uh, a, a ladder to, to a deeper relationship with Jesus. And that we have to understand what it means to live without hypocrisy. And once we start to get a grasp on that, then we have to understand that when I step into a relationship with someone, that the, those, those heartstrings are a little, little, little deeper, a little, little stronger. That I don't just walk away from every negative situation, every bad situation, every tough situation. And that as I do that, Have you, ever, have you ever reconciled with someone that you had a conflict with? Those heartstrings are a little deeper. You've worked some stuff out. That's what we do with family, right? You go through some stuff and you come out on the other end just a little stronger. You know what that shows you? So you how to honor someone. I said, man, I may have not understood everything. You have honored God at least long enough to work some things out so that we both had the ability to see clearly. Man, I, we live in a world that we honor wealth, we honor celebrity, we honor privilege we honor all these things that have nothing to do with who we believe in but we have an operating system that is countercultural to the world I'm just looking at you saying do we have the ability to create a culture of honor in this house in this house some of us hate our jobs so much that it is like pulling teeth to go can you just honor the fact that you got one some of us have been hurt so deeply by people 
by the things that they've said. Maybe you have hurt someone. What are the relationships in your life that you need to honor? What are the relationships in your life that God is specifically speaking to you saying, hey, listen, um, I think you need to be a little less hypocritical. Be a, a little more affectionate to your brother and I will show you how to honor them. Every single one of us have them. Whether you want to admit it or not, I don't know, that's between you and God. But today, the pastor that stands before you is saying, I have struggled with honor and I repent before God. Said, I gotta figure this out. I gotta figure this out for myself. I gotta figure this out for my home. I gotta figure this out for my boys. I gotta figure this out for us. I'm willing to go down that path. The question is, are you?